In today's show, I'm looking at players who might be buy low options for Fantasy Basketball League's Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today, we're going to be talking about buy low trade options, guys whose value might be depressed for whatever reason that is. And you might be able to acquire them at a cheaper price. It doesn't mean go and get them at all costs. It means get them at a cheaper price. Now, before I do that, though, there is something I wanted to mention that's come to my attention, and it's, I don't know, I don't know what it is, really, um, and it's, just, I guess, the realization that I've had, and it's something that I think can benefit people uh, who listen and watch this show, is that I do a lot of content, obviously, right? There's, you know, during the week, there's four videos a day, there's two a day over the weekend, there's so much stuff coming out. I tweet, I have Instagram, there's Discord, there's stuff all over the place, and not everybody can keep up with everything that I say. Right, that that that's impossible, and what I say is not one hundred percent correct. It's what I believe one hundred percent at the time, and trying to use available information that's out there to you know, provide that information or my thoughts, and you know, try and distinguish what's thoughts and what's speculation and what's fact and all that sort of stuff. Right, I think most people get that. But something was was brought to my attention that you know that the people who follow or watch or listen they don't necessarily get everything that i say the way it's intended or they don't hear everything i said yesterday i put a tweet out saying imagine how good imagine how the warriors would be or something like oh, sorry along the lines of if lamello ball was on the warriors he'd clearly be their third best player right clearly and you know someone said oh what well, that that's just hindsight you know no way that that was what um you were suggesting that Wiseman was such a better fit for them and I said, look, I did like eight mock drafts and had LaMelo Ball at number one, clearly at number one in every one of those mock drafts. It's not hindsight. And it just really, oh, yeah, but, oh, yeah, but everyone thought Edwards was number one and, and Wiseman should be number two, and that was the perfect fit. So what you're saying is based on two weeks of action and um, you know, no one would have thought that back in the day. And it just, again, shows that, that people might take snapshots of what you think or what you say or, or miss things that you've said said ad nauseum through literally eight separate mock drafts, I think it was, where I had Lamello as the clear number one. And I said, any team that, wherever he falls, you just take him. But that idea, so just when you do hear me say something, and I say a lot of things, there just realize that a lot of time there is might, there might be context behind it, that you may have missed an episode, you may have missed something that I said there. Um, and that it's not always just as, as cut and dry as that, or your assumption is not always accurate. And I've got to do a better job of that as well. I'm not assuming something that someone says is is the whole story, but I think that that just really brought it home to me that I I don't think I could have been any clearer about my thoughts on Lamelo Ball heading into the draft, but even he has exceeded my expectations by 200% at least, like significantly better than I anticipated. But I could not have been any clearer. Yet still, that idea that I'm reacting to two weeks worth of basketball and I had there's no way that that's what I thought before the draft is pervasive. And I think that can be quite instructive just as to how people work in terms of ana- analyzing information, which brings us in to talking about buy-low trades. Sorry for that little uh, preamble. 
But let's look at some category league buy lows. And the first bloke that's there, a lot of you will say, Drew Holiday, Josh, he's one game back from COVID. He's the 369th player in the last week because he only played 18 minutes. But I'll tell you why he's here. Now, most most of the stuff, vast majority of times when I do this, it's based on chatter that I hear. It's based on production, but it's based on chatter that I hear. And as soon as this game went down, should I be worried about Drew? Do I need to trade Drew away? Pair that with a question or multiple questions that I got in the mailbag. Hey, guys, people won't trade for players who got COVID because they think that they have permanently decreased lung capacity and they'll never get back to their best. Now, that might be true. COVID has plenty of issues that we don't fully understand. And there are players who struggle with it. And there are people who struggle with it. There are long, lots of long-term effects. But my point here with Drew is, is that if you're panicking after the fact that he came off the bench for one game and played 18 minutes, and you're panicking about, oh, Jason Tatum struggled coming back, um, yeah, and we, we know that it's going to impact their lungs and they're talking about not being able to breathe and, and all that sort of stuff, which again is, is fair enough. That means that there is a massive buy low window here on Drew Holiday because people will have this idea. Ignoring the fact that Kevin Durant had COVID, I think he's going all right. Carl Anthony Towns had COVID and for him saying that it impacted him and it was pretty bad, he's still playing pretty well. Jason Tatum had COVID, he struggled and then he went absolutely bananas in that game against the Wizards. It's not an absolute death knell for your fantasy production, as some people may make it out to be. Didn't James Harden have COVID? I think he's going all right. Like so, using that as and that one game back, which people are panicking about, it is an opportunity to try and get Drew. Now he's the thirty-first ranked player this season. I think yeah, a thirty-five to forty-five, fifty range is a, a realistic expectation. So any sort of top, any guy outside the top fifty that you can trade for Drew Holiday, and the the windows the window's small. It's not a large window. That's what you should be trying to do. I hope that makes sense. Andrew Wiggins, Wigo. He is um, struggling at the moment. Started off really well, blocking shots at a career high level. Now, unfortunately, those numbers have just evaporated. And he also can't shoot anymore. 29% from three over the last month. That brings his season-long number down to 35%. Now, I'm not suggesting that Andrew Wiggins is a top 70 player or a top 80 player or maybe even a top 100 player. But if you can get him for your worst player, the rubber band theory, which I don't even know if I'm using that term correctly, but the rubber band theory of how his shooting percentage is going to fare from here on out, it's going to get better. Yeah, over the last four games, he's shooting 17% from three. It almost literally can't get worse. It probably could get worse, but it probably won't. Most likely won't. So it's going to bounce back. And then therefore, he's probably going to have a stretch. Five games, seven games, where he shoots 40% from three. And maybe the blocks come back up, although I'm not certain about that because they, uh, they're, they're way above career numbers. Although, you know, the last four games, he's had two blocks and he's averaging 1.1 over the course of the year. So there is some big room for improvement here for Wigo, even though he's barely been a rosterable player over the last month. I think we need to look at you know, some of that uh, ability. Now, the free throw shooting, just write it off. It's not happening. He's, he's shit house now for some reason at the line, despite being a high 70s guy when he entered the league. Um, but the field goal percentage, the three-point shooting, that stuff is going to come back. If you want to talk about poor shooting, Darius Garlo Garland. 40 minutes a night is sexy. But in that in those last three games, his true shooting's 
35 from the field, and an inexplicable 64% from the line. He's hitting 30% from three, which is all right. Can't hit twos, can't hit free throws. And over the last two weeks, he's at 37% from the field. This dude, his true shooting this year is 52. He's hitting 83% of his free throws, so there's obviously room for that to improve. He's hitting 38% of his threes. There's obviously room for that to improve. And he's hitting 46% of his twos, so there's obviously room for that to improve. The minutes are fine. The assists are strong. He's bumping his steals up somewhat. There is some value here in buying low because, again, the sentiment exists. If I look at a comment over on Basketball Monster you know, from about six days ago, atrocious efficiency, and it is correct. He has atrocious efficiency over this last period of time. That doesn't mean it's going to persist. He was a very good free throw shooter uh, last year, 88%. He was a good free throw shooter in college. There is a chance that he can become, once again, a good free throw shooter, and he is 83% on the season, so there is room for that to improve. John Morant's on my buy lows. I've been mentioning this for a while. Um, now, I, I thought it was crazy that his ADP was in the 20s. I think I said uh, I, I he may struggle to be a top 40 player. Of course, people thought that I was stupid when I said that. Jar is the 94th ranked player this year. The ankle injury has definitely had an impact on him. But the thing that holds true about Morant is the lack of steals. And more importantly, the lack of threes is going to hold him back. Now, the steals are actually improving 1.3 over the last two weeks. But that legendary type efficiency he had last year, true shooting 56% has gone. 46% true shooting over the last week, 41% from the field, 60% from the line, 20% from three. Not only does he not hit threes, he doesn't take them. Um, The minutes are low, 31 minutes a night. He hasn't blocked a shot in over two weeks. And the usage is low. I would not be valuing Ja Morant as a top 30 player, a top 40 player, or even a top 50 player. To be honest, I wouldn't even trade a top 60 player for him at this stage. I think he's a 70-ish type ranked player, and even that might be generous. It's a hard buy low to pull off. Giggity! Just because of name brand value. There are people who legitimately still would take Ja Morant over Zion Williamson in the NBA draft, and I, and I cannot get behind that. I, I, I can't. So there are people who love Jar, and there are people who think that you know he is going to be much better than what he currently is, and he probably he will be in the future. I have no doubt about that. But for this year, you're valuing him as anything more than a top eighty player at best. I think is a poor decision. So find the guys who love Jar, find the Grizzlies fans, and see if you can extract a top sixty player back. It might be tough. But you've got to sell on upside. You've got to sell on those first two games where he had 44 and 9 and 28 and 7. You've got to sell on those games. He was hitting threes. He was getting steals. And uh, he's not anymore. And the last guy. But what about Scarves? OG. Stop ones. OG. Uh, you better stop OG. What about Scarves indeed? Again, I try and use so many different things when talking about this. When talking about buy lows. What do their projections look like? What do their current ranks look like? What do their short-term ranks look like? What the hell are people saying? And multiple people, Josh, can I move on from OG Ananobi? The answer to that is, kids, cover years, do whatever the fuck you want. Like, I don't care. If you want to move on from him, do it. In a million years, I wouldn't. But if you want to move on from him, do it. And that's because they're overreacting to him returning from the calf injury, where he's the 133rd ranked player. And he's playing 29 minutes a night. Now, 133rd, it's not even that bad. Over the last week, he's 116th. Why? 
Well, this dude was basically leading the league in steals. And since he returned, he's had two steals in six games. There's your answer. Look, that's, that's your answer. He's not going to be a 17-point-per-game scorer. He can probably afford to hit a few more threes, hitting 26% since he returned. But he hasn't had steals. Instead of two steals over six games, we should realistically be expecting 11 steals, 10 steals. And that changes him from a 133rd-ranked player to like a 70th-ranked player. If you can get OG Ananobi in a deal for a top 90 player, you win easily. Easily. Don't be fooled by this recent dip in steel production. It will come back. He's not going to be a big scorer. He can improve his threes, and he definitely is going to improve those steel numbers. Let's talk points leagues. I'm going to put in there as well, Drew Holiday. Again, for everything that I mentioned earlier, if you are just tuning into the points league section of this show, just go back to the start of the category league section and just listen to what I said about Drew Holiday. Let's talk about some other blokes. I've got on this list... Tyler Hero. Everyone has a hero. True. Zero people shouldn't have a hero. It is true. Over the last week, Hero is averaging 21 points, and that's one game. But I think we have to look at people, again, again with this one, it's not just about that one game performance from Hero. This is a guy that's averaging 30 fantasy points per game this season. But it's about the people who are going to look into it and go, well, Kendrick Nunn's playing well. Hero is coming off the bench now. What does his uh, long-term outlook look like? Is he going to be you know, reduced in value? They can use the same argument that I use against Kendrick Nunn in that you know, there's only been nine games this year where Dragic, uh, Butler, Hero, and Adebayo have played together, meaning, well, we don't know what Hero's role is going to be on a fully healthy squad. None is be- There are people who will tell you that Nunn is better than Tyler Hero. And they're the people that you, if they somehow have Hero, that's the sort of people you need to target for a trade. So that one game in his return, it was okay. 21 fantasy points isn't great, but he's a guy that you look at as a 28, 29, 30 fantasy point producer. So get the uncertainty. Talk up, Try and talk up the Kendrick Nunn scenario. Try and see where he fits there. It's a crowded backcourt. Avery Bradley's still got a return. Goran Dragic is going to start over Hero now. He's been benched. I just like Hero. I like his snarl. I like his swagger. I like Logan Paul. Nobody likes Logan Paul. But whatever it is, see if you can get him because I think there is a bit of a market inefficiency there. Terry Rogier. He was on the um, Sal High podcast a while ago because what he was doing was insane. And now what he's doing is shithouse. Simple. The last four games, he's averaging 22 fantasy points per game. For the season, he's averaging 33. The real Terry Rogier probably sits somewhere in the middle around a 30-point player, but he is way off. Now, I was down on Terry Rogier heading into this season, hated the contract the Hornets gave him last year, but he proved me well, he, he proved me wrong to begin this season, playing exclusively as a shooting guard, and his efficiency went through the roof. And as soon as I turned that corner and said, you know what, maybe he just is this good of a shooter, he's been dreadful. Do I expect him to get better than what he is currently or what he is over the last week? A little bit. But now I'm also getting the doubt back in my head going, maybe I was right. Maybe I was right and the 25 games to begin this season was the mirage, which is definitely a possibility. So don't view Rogier as a top 50 player in points leagues. In fact, he's only 63rd this year, averaging those 33 fantasy points. Try and get him for a top 90 player, a top 80 player. Use his past record. Use his shooting from last season. Again, do what I just did then. 
70 games versus 20 games, 300 games in Rogier's career, whatever it is, versus 20 games. You know, I, I just want to take a flyer on the guy. I, I really need a shooting guard. Um, yeah, whatever, however you want to do it. But have a look at Rogier here. Um, and what he's currently doing is below expectations, but what he was doing earlier was above expectations. Malcolm Brogo Brogdon. Two, last two games, only 29 fantasy points. And while that's two games, obviously, the reason I want to look at him as a buy-low is um, his knee. He missed the last game against the Knicks with this knee issue. He is questionable for Monday's game. And by the time you listen to this, we may know whether he's playing or not. There's a chance he sits out all games up until the All-Star break. This is what happens at this time of the year. Well, there's only two more games. If we give him this, these two games off, then we get an extra five days break through the All-Star break and it lets him fully heal. So his value is going to drop and people are going to panic about it. Oh, it's a knee. Oh, why is he taking off four games in a row here? Brogdon's the 38th ranked player this year, but I reckon you could throw a top 70 player for a guy that's last couple of games have been below par for a guy that's currently hurt and questionable. I think you can get some value there. And the last guy I throw on the list is Zach Levine, the skater boy. Interestingly, since he was named an all-star, his numbers have dropped way off. 31 points per game. This is a guy averaging 43 fantasy points per game. It's a big dip. Why? Why? He has not registered one single steal in the last three games. So this is a guy that averages over a steal per game. So you're talking you know, nine, three points per game off there. He hasn't blocked a single shot. That's one and a, he's like a half a block a guy, a game guy. That's another one and a half points. So four and a half points off there already because of a lack of defensive stats. He's averaging two fewer points per game. And weirdly, half his rebound rate is half. So there are things there that make no sense. He's not going to go the rest of the season with no steals or blocks. He's not going to go averaging Colin Sexton's 2.7 rebounds per game. And the scoring probably jumps back up as well. So it might be harder to pull off, but you could. there is an argument, and I wouldn't make the argument because people won't believe if you tell it to them, but find the people who are big contract year person. That, you know, they people play for the contract. They only try hard for the contract or they try hard for the accolade. And the tie-in between Levine dropping off his performance and being named an All-Star, that person might have it in their head, man, he's taking his foot off the gas now that he's been named an All-Star. Is that all he was trying for? There will be people that think that. The nuance is trying to find who they are and uh, get that thought process in their head without explicitly saying it. But the other thing you can do is, well, Markkinen will return. Uh, Porter will return. Shots, usage, that might all start to come down from Levine. So while it's not an easy one to pull off, the recent production's been low and there might be something there for you with Zach Levine. These are just names. They're ideas and there's rationale behind them. Pulling them off is much much easier said than done. 100 times easier said than done. Trades that actually benefit your team are really tough to pull off. And that's why a lot of the time when I talk about trades in fantasy, the number one question you ask yourself is why? Are you doing it just because you want to make a trade or is it because it's legitimately benefiting you? And that's why I also always say that you know, 10% of trades that are proposed you know, should actually be done. Every trade you look at, your immediate reaction should be no. And then you look at it a little bit closer. But if you're just accepting over 50% of the trades that you're involved in, you're doing it wrong. So while these are options and you can try it, It's not going to happen the vast majority of the time. That's just how a smart person goes about trading or you exploit the absolute dickhead in your league who doesn't know what they're doing.
which I'm not sure there's a huge amount of fun in that. But being cautious, being judicious with the trades that you accept, the trades that you pull off, the trades that you offer is a really key part as well. Guys, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Sorry this one went a bit longer. Sorry for waffling. Sorry for talking so much shit, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.